The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is the newscast for episode 221 for the week of August 16th. Alex, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you, Rob? I'm doing fantastic. The air is slightly less gross today. Yeah, you know, I could see the mountains, which is a nice thing. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, crystal clear blue skies or anything, but, you know, much better than it has been. Yeah, I mean, the bar is so low that slightly <laughs> less gross is uh, is pretty good. I feel like I can breathe a little better today, not, you know, hacking and wheezing and sneezing quite as much. We are recording here on Saturday, and I think Sunday it's supposed to be even better from from what I, what I saw in the news. Yeah, well, and actually, I'm on my way into your house. It's raining a little bit, so I think you know that will help with air quality, too. Raining a little bit and lightninging a lot. Lightning a lot. Yeah, yes. nice, nice show. Some fireworks out there, for sure. All right, well, we do have some housekeeping to go through. Well, there's a Slack channel. What did we say? There was uh, 1900 and, was it? It was uh, 85, 1985. 1985. So we're, uh, we're 15 years away from the, uh, the turn of the century, and we'll get to talk about 2,000 people. That'll be pretty fun. Yep. If you want to join Slack, you can go to colorado-security.com and click the Join Slack button. That'll help you get in there pretty quickly. While you're there, join our mailing list. You will get a maximum of one email per week with the show notes uh, in it. Uh, that's all we use the mailing list for. No spam, no uh, advertising, nothing else. Just show notes. Until we figure out a way to use it to monetize and, and get that island in the Caribbean. Right. Uh, we're working on that. Uh, we're not really. All right. We'd love it if you would rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcast podcatcher, your favorite podcast listening application. Uh, that's a good place for you to let people know about us and, and help get us some more listeners. And another way for you to help let people know about it is to tell people in real life. Uh, you can, I, I actually think sending physical letters about your favorite podcast is, is pretty ironic <laughs> and is not a bad idea. Is that like the commercial? I think it's for Nissan or something where the guy, um, he gets a tweet and then drives to the guy's house and knocks on the door <laughs> and says, LOL. <laughs> and he goes, are you returning my tweet in person? I love that. Yeah. Anyway. So you could do that. Uh, you could do that. Yeah, we'd love it. Yeah, we would love it. Uh, also, we have a Patreon campaign. If you would like to help financially support uh, Colorado Equal Security, uh, you can go uh, to the website, find more info about that. We have several levels for you to sign up for. Well, technically, we have infinite levels, but we have several suggested levels. Uh, if you get to that $10 a month level, then you will get a free T-shirt and a shout-out on the show. Uh, we do not have any additional patrons this week, but we do like to thank our uh, patrons that we do have who have continued to support us. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, we've got folks who have been supporting us for years, and you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, it keeps us going. Yep. Let's jump into the news, Rob. I will. We uh, we have some some fun news. I don't know if you heard, but we, we talked a couple times about Casa Bonita being in dire straits, potentially going out of business, bankruptcy, all of those things. And it looks like we may have a savior in the form of a fat little boy. <laughs> uh, or actually creators of a fat little boy. Well, I oh. would say that Cartman is the only reason that they have their fortune. And, uh, and as a result of not, their fortune, not a Kyle fan, the, uh, the, the creators of yeah. South Park may have the money to, to buy Casa Bonita. Hey, you don't like chef? <laughs> no, <laughs> come on. <laughs> the, the salty. Uh, so, all right. All right. Uh, we'll keep him. This anyway, is a kid friendly show. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had, uh, the, the story this week is that, um, the creators of South Park, um, are uh, said to have, uh, purchased Casa Bonita. I think 
they're overplaying it a little bit, at least in the headline of the story. They're very excited about it, which is part of it. They've come to an agreement to buy Casa Bonita. The, the company that owns Casa Bonita is in bankruptcy, so they have to go through all of that stuff before I think they can get to a final agreement. But it sounds like there is um, an agreement for an agreement in place, and then hopefully that closes soon. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, you know, basically the, the sellers have agreed, but the bankruptcy court and or the creditors uh, of the owners have to have to agree to it. Uh, I guess that they told this to Governor Polis. That was when yeah. this was announced. Governor Polis was doing an interview with them, which is interesting. And Governor Polis had some interesting, uh, interesting response to this. Did you did you see this? Yeah, I, I saw, he got up and, and gave him a big hug. Is what I heard. He did give him a big hug and he said, uh, you know, there's one area where we'd all love to see an upgrade. And I think I speak on behalf of everyone who patronizes Casa Bonita. The food could be a little better, Pola said. Yes. And, and the, they said, ahead. I think it could be a little more than a little better. <laughs> so so fortunately, they agreed that the food <laughs> could be better. And hopefully that means they'll actually do it. They won't walk in and go. Well, good enough. This this uh, terrible, terrible food is, is all we're going to do. Yeah, they have said that they are planning to partner with a yet unnamed uh, local chef to help them with, right. with the menu there. So that'd be pretty cool. Hopefully we get some uh, some delicious new Mexican food. They did say there's other improvements coming, such as, uh, you know, one of the upgrades they're thinking about doing is maybe having two gorillas in the skits instead of just the one. So, you know, big, big changes afoot. Big changes. <laughs> I did read uh, this is the saga has been going on for a little bit before they got to this conclusion of actually coming to an agreement. One of the, the prior articles I read a few weeks ago, uh, one of the, the guys was talking about how. Um, they were going to try and figure out how to make uh, Black Bart's cave a little less gross. <laughs> I, but, I'm not sure. Once again, a little might be a right. little bit of an understatement. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Moving on. Uh, we have a Denver company that is launching um, an eye renting model in Phoenix, which is guaranteeing landlords rent on their properties. So that's, that's the headline. Cool. But, um, you know, this company had already been doing this service here in Denver. And yeah. I didn't know about it. So for me, there's kind of breaking news. There's a company doing this iRenting model. Uh, the company's called Nomad. And, uh, and and really what they do is they come to agreements with landlords. And, and I'd say that they they kind of smooth out rent and the experience for those landlords. If you're if you're an individual unit holder or a small, num- small number of a unit holder, um, you know, it's pretty expensive and kind of a risk when you lose tenants. You know, this the turnover you might get if you just have one unit, maybe you can't afford to have it be empty for six months. Well, basically this company will come in and say, we guarantee you the rent. And I assume it's some percentage of what you'd be getting otherwise. And we'll always pay you and we'll go find the tenants and we'll deal with all those problems. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of property management companies out there that will manage your properties for you. But I think that uh, you know, the, the model of guaranteeing the rent is yeah. definitely something new. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I'm sure that, um, you know, people would be willing to do that. If you're, if you can guarantee that income coming in, even if it's less than you might, uh, might normally get in the market, it's probably worth it. I think if you're a new, the new landlord with like one or two units, this makes a lot of sense. You're able to lock in whatever profit and, and it, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I was a landlord for a few years and, it looked like it was going to be good and you get, you know, get a few years in, you have a few repairs and all of a sudden, man, this, this wasn't so good after all. I right. probably lost money on the deal. Um, and, and I think having that surety as you jump into that new business is, is pretty smart. And of course, w- once you get into it for a while, you figure out that, okay, they're, they're taking risk that I can now take on. Maybe you change it, but I love that this is going to make it more accessible for more people. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's a pretty cool idea and, and glad to see that they're expanding beyond Denver. 
All right. Uh, we have, I think we've talked about these guys before. It's uh, a company in, in Loveland called Lightning E-Motors. Um, they create uh, electric vehicles or the motors for electric vehicles. And they just announced a deal that for $850 million where they're going to be selling shuttle shuttle engines basically to a, to a company um, called... Elkhart. Uh, oh, yep. Thank you. Elkhart. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Elkhart does, they make a lot of those uh, shuttle buses and things like that. And, you know... Uh, lightning e-motors their bread and butter is uh taking things that are existing and then putting the electric powertrains into them uh they mentioned in the, in the article that they are uh selling vehicles i think directly uh to some fleet customers including dhl amazon and uh fluid who we've talked about before as well yeah. um so it's pretty cool and you know this is a pretty big market it's not something that you normally think about but you know there's obviously a lot of delivery vehicles a lot of public transit vehicles that almost all run on some sort of uh, gas, whether it's natural right. gas or uh, regular gasoline. And, um, you know, we'll be trying to convert into electric at some point in the future. Yeah. So after they announced this big deal, uh, their stock went up more than 80%. Uh, this was last Tuesday. So obviously, you know, the, the stock market thinks that these guys have a bright future and uh, I'd love to see Colorado companies do well. Yeah. Congrats to them. All right. Uh, next, uh, Gusto. Uh, just announced a $175 million Series E with big plans for Denver. Yeah, we, we've talked about Gusto here a number of times. They've hired security folks, and uh, their CISO doesn't live here, but I think he's he's got some connections here in Denver. That's Flea, for don't know those who don't know, Frederick Lee. Um, so, but I guess a couple of surprises to me in this article. Number one, awesome that they raised $175 million, but they uh, they mentioned that Denver is actually the, the largest home base for Gusto, where we've got over 800 of the 1,400 employees working here in our city or in our area. Yeah, and I think that that was uh, as of January 1st, so I'd imagine that that number is even higher now. Um, I think it's also funny that they call it a, a home base, right. right? It's not like some of the other companies that are saying, HQ2. oh, our, our HQ2 is in Denver, even though, it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it is really cool that Denver is their biggest presence, um, and they're going to be uh, growing their overall headcount by 50% in the next fiscal year, so it's going to only get bigger. Yeah, another couple of interesting stats I saw in here. They say that they have over 200,000 customers. So so Gusto has a lot of customers. And of course, their customers would be businesses, right? So right. I assume lots of small and medium-sized businesses. But uh, they also said they, they have offered more than 100 new products in, over the last year. And 100 new products. I mean, that space is just going crazy. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Gusto does uh, HR and payroll management and other things like that for yeah. uh, for pretty small businesses, I think, which is part of the reason why you could have 200,000 uh, customers. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, next, we have a, a story here from a local consulting company. So Ruben Brown, who does audit and consulting, they ha have combined with Liberty Technology Advisors. Um, and basically, it looks to me like just reading this, and I don't have any insider information, but it looks like they have rolled Liberty Technology Advisors into Ruben Brown, and the, the going forward is going to be Ruben Brown um, consulting and, and really adding, you know, the, the new capabilities of this, uh, other organization. Yeah. It looked like something that was uh, very synergistic. The, uh, from the press release, it sounded like what Liberty does and what Ruben Brown does, uh, were different. So it, it makes sense to combine and they now can, uh, do more things under one roof. It also looks like, uh, they, the executives of each of the companies knew each other already and maybe had, uh, done some work together before. So it was, again, some synergies there having worked together. I love that. 
Uh, well, congrats to those guys. Of course, Rob Bodloff's a friend of ours and, and uh, over there at Ruben Brown. Hopefully this is all great news and gives them more fun stuff to do. We have a press release from Stackhawk. Kaka! Thank I think you, we need to take a moment here and, and talk about this debate that happened on Slack recently. Mm-hmm. So Scott mm-hmm. Gerlach, friend of the show yep. and uh, co-founder and what chief security officer at Stackhawk, I think. Yeah, uh, sounds he, right. He was talking about the caca and suggesting that his caca <laughs> is better than our caca. And uh, and I, I'm not sure how exactly we go about proving this, but if you know anyone's listening and, and they want to, to chime in and let Stackhawk know that their caca is not as good as ours, I would love it if you would send them a tweet. Yeah. Or an email or just walk over to their office and, and let them know in person. Um, you know, maybe call whatever their general phone number is and just leave a voicemail with your caca on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I sure think, they would love that. I think if, if all of you guys called, then the message would be received by Scott that uh, we're, we're not a force to be trifled with. <laughs> anyway, Indeed. was there some news here? Was there some oh, yeah. News? Um, so there was actually a press release. It didn't involve caca. Um, uh, Stackhawk released there is the first dynamic application and API security testing solution for GitHub's advanced security solution. So uh, the advanced security in GitHub is basically a way where you can uh, pull security uh, into GitHub and, and work within GitHub for those uh, security products. Uh, GitHub released some of their own products as part of advanced security, but they're opening it up to, to third parties as well. And it sounds like Stackhawk is the first one to go in there for uh, for DAST and ABI security. It's amazing. Just really cool for Stackhawk to be able to be in that position. GitHub is obviously the new hotness for where you're supposed to write your code. Right. And uh, and they have a lot of security tools that I think a lot of teams are, are looking at. Hey, do I want to go buy this external thing? Right. You know, go spend six figures for you know Fortify or Black Duck or whatever? Or do I want to use GitHub's integrated stuff for significantly less money and right. probably you know not significantly different res- results? Um, I think you know being part of that library of options is going to be really powerful for Stackhawk. Yeah, it's yeah I think similar to you know AWS and AWS Marketplace or Azure or whatever where you know you can just go oh I need this thing all right there's a marketplace of things that I can go do it with and um, it, cool to have that marketplace in general but for Stackhawk to be the first one there even cooler. Good stuff. All right, jumping over to our next, uh, we have a a blog by Ping Identity this week, the basics of zero trust authentication for federal government. Oh, this is this is really getting into the requirements there. And um, specifically, you know, there's been a lot of new requirements as a part of the executive order. And, uh, and, and, and I think Ping's coming in and showing here's how you can use your identity infrastructure to meet these new requirements in a zero trust framework, which is apparently one of the requirements of the, of the new executive order. Yeah. Um, the government's going all in on, on zero trust, or at least they're saying they're going all in on zero trust. And obviously identity is a big part of that. Uh, blog post here uh, talks about the, the ways that you can help monitorize, modern, modernize uh, words do not seem to be coming out clearly tonight, Rob. Uh, your authenticate on the th- man. Why don't you take this one? Uh, you're, you can authenticate and authorize and all those good things. I'm not sure where you were going, but um, I think it's fantastic that if you're in the federal government or you want to get into the federal government, this might be a way for you to learn how to get identity integrated. Uh, they talk about three things that you should do. Having centralized authentication authority, dynamic authorization, and continuous monitoring of your identity. Those sound like good ideas. Those do sound and like I, good ideas. I suspect ideas. that Ping Identity can help you with all three of those. Um, if anybody knows, it would be you, Rob. All right, moving on. Uh, we have a blog post this week from uh, Zavilo talking about their head of cybersecurity 
who was the lead for Cyber Shield 2021. So Brad Rhodes is uh, not only the head of cybersecurity for Zvilo, but he's also uh, a a National Guard member, right? Yeah, so he's a lieutenant colonel in the Colorado Army National Guard. I think that's that's high. That seems pretty high. I think it is. We should look Uh, that up. We probably should. Um, But congratulations uh, to Brad, who who was asked to lead this exercise. And of course... Uh, thank you very much for your service. Uh, what, what exactly is the, uh, the Cyber Shield 2021 exercise, Alex? So uh, every year, uh, the military does a Cyber Shield exercise, which is um, sort of analogous to what you might do as a tabletop in a normal business, except, you know, a little bit more over the top in actual exercise. Um, and so, you know, they have to come up with that. They have to coordinate it. They have to lead it and they have to run it. And so Brad was the executive officer in charge for CyberShield 2021. So he was the one that was in charge of the whole shebang. Hmm. So, I mean, that is pretty cool. He had to make sure that they came up with the exercise and planned it and and executed it. They say in the article, this is the largest unclassified exercise. So now I want to know what the largest classified one is, but I don't want to have to be killed after I hear. <laughs> so if anyone has suggestions on how I could find out without being killed, let me know. I, maybe you can buy uh, buy Brad a beard, a beer. Man, I am struggling. Well, it is it is a late Saturday night right now. Hey, next we have a blog post from Red Canary, uh, which is called Five Ways to Reduce SOC Analyst Burnout. And believe it or not, they have a list of five things in here. Is there a, uh, a song that goes along with this? Like... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, five ways to leave your lover, or you know, could you give me to sing a little bit of that? So you, I can you don't want me the, to. The, I'm asking you to. No, I'm, I'm good. Hey, we'll but, figure it out. Though. Maybe we should talk about this list of five things then. Okay. Uh, so number one is to automate, and 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 why would automation be good, Alex? Uh, because then you don't have to do it yourself. That's good because you get the get the bots, you get the AIs to do it for you. Yes. Number two, provide training on core tools. It's always good to know uh, about the things that you're working with. It would be burnt. You'd be quick to burn out if you're asked to work on tools without any of the resources to be effective. Huh? Yep. Number three is do not implement quotas. So basically they're saying, don't say I, you have to knock out a hundred tickets per day right. in order to go home before you can slide off your dinosaur at the end of the day. <laughs> That's a Flintstones reference. That is a for Flintstones those. reference. Those who don't know. Uh, Number four uh, uh, is pave the way for growth. Yeah. Uh, that's sure. always good. Pe- people want to grow. They want to get promoted. They want to figure out what their path is. And so having that is great. What's your last one? Five is encourage work-life balance. So get them out of the office. Yeah. Make sure that there, there isn't a quota so that they have to stay there super late every day and make sure they get their two tickets done. Well, I think those are all good ideas. I'd, I'd suggest that you know setting a clear vision for what you're trying to accomplish as the mission would also be a, a nice one to stop people from burning out. If you're if you're looking for a sixth, that's my that's my suggestion. All right. Good to know. All right, uh, last news article for this week. We have a blog post from Cybersecurity, that's with two C's, uh, Mitch Tannenbaum. And he is talking about uh, the executive order on, on cybersecurity, and the title is The March Forward Continues. Yeah, you know, his, his point of this kind of status on how executive order 14028 is doing is that, you know, generally these executive orders have kind of landed with a thud and not not done much. And he's seeing a lot of movement as a result of this most recent executive order. Yeah. One of the things that he talks about specifically is that agencies have to define uh, what their critical software is and then provide a catalog of that critical software. And they actually have 60 days to do it, which is um, a very short timeline for any organization that doesn't have this already, let alone a government organization. Yeah. So, so what we're saying is 
you know, the SANS number one control, the critical security control number one that we haven't done for 20 years, they're going to do in 60 days. Honestly, if you can't do it in 60 days, you probably can't do it ever. So great. Go, right. go get it done. I love it. Yeah, do it. Um, hopefully it'll be useful for people. Um, there's also a, a larger list that he has in the blog post talking about all of the things or at least many of the things that are required from the executive order. Oh, good stuff. Um, that is it for news. Did you want to do a quick Slack announcement? I did. Yeah. So we didn't pick a Slack message of the week this week. So uh, sorry to all of you that we're hoping to win. But um, I did want to make a general public service announcement. Uh, if you are in Slack, well, if you're not in Slack, we've already said you should join. If you uh, are in Slack, we have over 60 channels in our Slack workspace. And some of them are, you know, much less populated than the big channels like general or random or things like that. Um, all kinds of different things for all kinds of different people. So I would just encourage you to go uh, periodically take a list, at, look at that channel list and, uh, you know, maybe join a channel that you haven't been in before that looks interesting. Didn't we just add music this week? We added music. Um, it is uh, not very populated yet, but, you know, a couple good discussions in there. We have a coffee channel. Um, there's a Dungeons and Dragons channel. Mm -hmm. There's all, you know, all kinds of stuff um, in Slack and just explore, find, yeah. find new things to talk about. All right, let's jump over to our to our events. As a reminder, we have a calendar of events on the website, which is colorado-security.com. Um, and we like to talk about the things happening in the next two weeks. Uh, so let's go through those real quick. What do we got? Uh, first, we have two events on the 17th. ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their August meeting. And SecureSet is doing a virtual event, breaking into cybersecurity with an alumni speaker. On the 20th, ASIS Denver, which is the physical security group here in town, is doing their Grizzly Rose networking partay. And this looks like a lot of fun. Uh, we like partays. On the 21st, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing a mini seminar. On the 24th, uh, the Cloud Security Alliance of Denver is doing their August meeting. Ooh, on the 25th, ISSA Denver is doing their August special meeting. And finally, also on the 25th, ISC Squared Pikes Peak has an August hybrid meeting. So you can go in person, go online, yeah. no judgment either way. You know, whether you want a, a regular meeting, a special meeting, or a hybrid meeting, you've got your choice. All right, let's jump over into jobs. We like to highlight a few jobs that are uh, that are being hired each week. Man, every time we do these searches, I mean, I think I saw 500 new jobs posted in the next week, in the last week. Yeah. Um, try not to do the same company every week, except for the ones we work for, and try not to look, you know try and find unique, interesting jobs. We'll see how we did. Uh, a few things from Red Canary. I'll go to those before we go into the rest. I'm looking to hire a director of corporate security. This is the person responsible for the security program to protect the internal resources, you know, basically the, the enterprise that is Red Canary. And I'm also hiring a director of product security, uh, which is focused on the entire SDLC from, you know, architecture to development, to testing, to uh, operate uh, the operationalization of our, our products that we sell to customers. Um, so kind of between those two, it's, it's really protecting everything. Uh, the third position I'm hiring at Red Canary is our program manager for the trust team. This is the person who works most closely with me, keeping our program moving forward and tracking and all that good stuff. All right. Uh, Aegon is looking for a deputy information security officer. Altirix is hiring a director of security architecture. Protivity is looking for a technology consultant consulting data security senior manager for PCI compliance in Denver. That's definitely the longest title of the week right there. Yeah. Um, NCAR is hiring a manager of in the office of information security. 
Uh, Gong is looking for a security engineer in the office of the CISO. Interesting, right? These new naming culture here. Um, Quest Groups LLC is hiring a security analyst. And Microsoft is looking for a security and compliance technical specialist. And that is it for jobs, and that is it for the newscast. We do have a pod, or this is a podcast. This is a podcast. Yeah, we do I have an interview this week, though. Um, for the first time in a little while, I sat down with someone. I sat down with Rog. Man, I can't talk either. Rob Egebrecht. Rob, uh, we we all know from his time as the as one of the founders and CEO of BEW Global, which turned into IntelliSecure. Um, he's now recently started a new company called CloudRise. And if you remember, that's the one out in Grand Junction. Yeah. Um, they have a program associated with Mesa State University. Uh, we got into you know really how he you know what happened with with the building of IntelliSecure, how he left there, a little bit a little bit of a conflict on that. And it's Ooh. kind of an interesting story. And then we get into how he built this new company and really how they're going to be looking to change the world. That sounds pretty cool. I like world changers. Looking forward to hearing that. All right. Well, that's it. That's it. We will uh, look to talk to you guys again next week. Thanks, Rob. This is Michael Steffen, Privacy Security Officer for Connect for Health Colorado. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is our feature interview this week. Um, this is Rob interviewing Rob Egebrecht. Rob, how you been? It's been a while since we connected. I've been good. I'm, I'm getting older. Hair is getting thinner. <laughs> so yeah, but I'm still good. Well, you, it's because you're going to higher altitude, right? You're not in the, not down in the Denver area anymore. No, I went to high altitude and then I went to the Grand Valley in the desert and it's so darn hot there that I'm like any other animal. I think I'm shedding my hair. (laughs) I drove through, uh, I drove through Grand Junction on the way to California uh, back in July, early July. And I got to Grand Junction and it was like, I don't know, 113 or something. And it was, it was just after the 4th of July, maybe the 6th. And from Grand Junction all the way to like the central California, the temperature was never below 110. It was, it was ridiculously hot and miserable. And I don't know how you live there. Well, I, what I did is I bought a small place in Crested Butte. I call it my refrigerator condo at 9,000 feet. And that's where I spend from May 15th until the leaves fall. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. You're thinking, I love the way you think. Well, we have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, I know we're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, Really, you're currently the, the CEO and founder of CloudRise, and we're going to talk about CloudRise. But you know, last time I talked about you on the podcast, or with you at least, you and I, when you, you and I last talked, you know, you're the CEO and you were the one of the founders of uh, IntelliSecure. So I'd like to hear kind of you know that whole that whole uh, um, process of creating that company and, and the, the pivots you did there, and then what you learned and how that's influenced your your new company. Um, so let's start off with your own background. Where are you from originally? Where did I grow up? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm the son of an IBMer, which stands for I've been moved. So I can compete <laughs> with any army brat when it comes to this. So I was born in Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. And then I moved to Boulder, Colorado, then back to Rochester, and then Rochester to Roswell, Georgia, then Roswell, Georgia to Boca Raton, Florida, and then Boca Raton, Florida back to Rochester. And then Rochester to New Jersey, and then New Jersey to Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And then I started junior high. <laughs> wow, that's brutal. Yeah, my, uh, my pop was part of the IBM PC project. So if you actually trace those tracks, 
uh, Boca was where they finally finished the PC. And uh, yeah, he moved us around a lot. So, but I was really irritated because, you know, West Palm Beach, Boulder, and he settles me for my, you know, junior high and high school years in Pennsylvania. So hmm. anyways, those are, those are complaints. I guess I can lodge some else. So you, so you got to see a, a lot of IBM campuses or the cities around IBM campuses uh, growing up. And do you, when you think of a home, do you, is, does one of these kind of uh, seem to you like home? No. Um, uh, I went to DU. Well, actually, before DU, I went to Western State in Gunnison. So the day I graduated high school in Pennsylvania, I packed my car and said I was never going back to the East Coast. And so I moved to Gunnison. And I spent some years in Crested Butte, and then uh, I sat around one day and said, it's either a ski bum or something else. And so I transferred down to DU, and Colorado has always been my home, to be quite honest. Uh, I've been here over 30 years, and I just love it here. Well, how did you you end up landing in the security? (laughs) Sorry. We got, we got some dog action, which means uh, we are doing a remote interview and, and that's what COVID gives us is some dog action. No worries, Rob. Uh, while we, while we uh, change, I can see Rob's walking and giving us a new location, maybe a little further from the dog. Um, I, uh, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile here and I see that you have some experience as a, uh, at level three and NTTs, level three, a good Colorado company, but it looks like you were not in Colorado when you were at level three. Nope. I, I, um, so after DU, I worked for a company called Pacer Cats, which was okay. a joint venture of Ticketmaster and Wembley Stadiums. And that got me uh, expatted over to Tokyo for a little bit. Oh, fun. And then uh, I joined the gang at uh, Vertella. And so we got to work with Vab Goyle and the whole gang over there. And uh, then a little company called Gemplex stole me out of there and they were managed VPNs. So that's how I got into security, to be quite honest. It was hmm. back in the days of NetScreen, 5GT firewalls and, uh, oh God, Neo Terrace. I mean, I, I can really date myself right now. You know, Juniper was just starting out. Yeah. So it was really exciting. And then uh, I spent some time early at Quest in their special pricing group and business development. And then level three, I expatted over in London and I was working in their uh, product management for uh, Lambdas, Wavelengths, Metro Ethernet. And uh, so I got this really nice telco background. That's kind of how Denver grew up as a tech company, you know, yeah. or tech city. And then uh, finally, um, I finally, I ended up at Gemplex, ended up in Denmark, and mm-hmm. then uh, the craziest thing happened, which was I was laying on my couch, it was two in the morning, I'm living in Denmark, my family's living in Ashburn, Virginia, Yuck. we have a house for rent in Castle Pines North, and they go, hey, we just sold the company, and uh, your stock's vested, and thank you so much, but we're letting all of the GTM go, they bought the network and the ops group, congratulations, and I sat there and went, that feels like I'm getting laid off. And I did not like that feeling. So uh, I took the stock proceeds. I left Denmark, sold the the townhouse in Ashburn, gathered the family, moved back to Castle Pines and started BEW Global in 2003. And that was was when I became a true entrepreneur and went down and filed the papers to become an S-Corp in the great state of Colorado. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so, so tell me about the, you know, the, the original founding team. I know BEW has some meaning, the, the, the acronym, and, and, uh, and really what were you guys trying to accomplish with that, with that company? Uh, the first thing we were trying to accomplish is just get some income in the door. So it was Bloomquist, uh, Chuck Bloomquist, who went all the way up through the exit with me. Uh, he was our CTO. Chuck's a great guy, um, semi-retired now, lucky guy. And uh, then it was Eggerbrecht, me. And then Vergen, Nor Norbert Vergen. And Norbert was from Munich, Germany. And I had met him at Gemplex. He was our country manager there. And Norbert lasted about 90 days. And then he became the victim of a divorce. And divorces and startups uh, financially really don't go that well. Mm. So Norbert ended up over, I think, at Cytel, one of the BPO shops. And then it became Chuck and I. And how we started it was we went back over to Vertella. And we said, hey, why don't we become an agent of yours and we'll sell your managed VPN services to our Rolodex that we knew. And it was great because that instantly brought recurring revenue in when we sold those contracts and then we just got a cut of the action. But the real story that changed everything was um, I worked at ski shops my whole life in Denver. And there was a kid named Sean Donahue that I worked with at a place called The Ski Doctor. And Sean's brother was the founder of Vericept. He coded Vericept in his garage. It was the first DLP solution, or it was called content monitoring filtering. And so I was talking to Sean one day. He's like, hey, we need someone to help sell this product and this solution. And I was like, well, let's check it out. And so we became a reseller of it. And Chuck's like, I could definitely like, install this. And next thing you know, we called up Dell. We bought a fleet of 20 Dell 1750 servers, hmm. rented out two spaces in Regis, and we started sending these servers out doing what were called exposure assessments. And it was really cool because it was the first tool that gave you that visual of multi-channel. This is what's going on in your network. And that's how BEW started was um, we kind of tripped into it from a relationship from my ski days. And, uh, and then from there, it just continued to spiral up. We got to meet the founders of Vontu. Uh, Reconics at the time, Port Authority, which turned in, and you know, I can walk through how all these companies grew up, you know, Port Authority to WebSense, the Forcepoint, Vontu to Symantec to Broadcom, and uh, we just kind of rode that wave. So, so initially you were resellers and then started adding like professional services for implementation. And then, and then I, I think somewhere along the way, you guys pivoted to really providing like a managed service around DLP, right? What happened was, it's, it's never, I just think it's a cool story now, retrospectively looking at. So we were a reseller and implementer, and we had uh, kind of pivoted from Verisept into Vontu. We got to know Joseph Ancinelli, the CEO, Kevin Rowney, the tech guy, and they just jived with us because we understood that um, through our careers, Chuck and I had both done a lot of business consulting. And what we realized with DLP was you had to go get the requirements inside the business. And so... We would have these SOWs that were technical oriented, but then we started getting in consulting. And in 2008, when the market crashed, the resale market died and little BW Global almost died on the vine. Mm. We were caught kind of with our pants down. We were not ready for that recession. And so uh, luckily my dad bailed us out. <laughs> Good old dad wrote us a check. And it's a great story because my dad is a very straightforward guy. He's an engineer. And he gave us a spreadsheet called the viability calculator. And he's like, you're going to put your revenue in, your earnings in. And if it comes up green, I'll continue to loan you money to get through this. And uh, 
Sure. What he did give us advice on was, why don't you go out and get some recurring revenue? And why don't you try to sell a managed service? And it was funny because three of our customers at the time had lost their staff around DLP. And they came to us and said, can you build reports for us? Can you tune the policies? And uh, that's where the managed services started. So Mm. my advice to entrepreneurs is you're not out of the fight if you keep swinging. Mm. So we just kept swinging and that's when the managed services started and then the ball just started rolling because Vaughn too was like, oh, this gets it sticky. It grip builds our net retention. People buy more modules. They'll actually put it in line. And by 2012, um, we were a $12 million company. About $4 million of it was recurring revenue. And that's when the private equity guys and the VCs started circling. Yeah. And, and, and you ended up uh, adding, so you were managed DLP. And I, and I think, you know, really kind of, rethinking as you know critical data protection and uh, what, what it was critical access brand was it cap is that how you guys the cap cap yeah cap was oh, the acronym bringing back the good old days so uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we found was that uh you know we created this methodology and actually came out of our iso practice so a lot of people forget this but we were one of the first what was called acp associate consultant practices Dice was 27,001. And so a guy named John D. Maria ran that program and John became a really good friend. And so what we did is we go certified companies for ISO 27,001. It was all about scope. And so I said, let's translate this practice, LP practice, and coach our clients that at the end of the day, you have a very, very useful. And we process a methodology and uh, it really caught on. And so uh, it enabled a lot of our managed services because it was in the customer finally on trying not to turn on every DLP policy under the sun. And then it grew to. Ways. We're having a, a little bit of a connection issue there. I'm not sure where it was, but um, I think I think I caught most of what you said. Ba- basically, your um, you managed service helping helping get away from having to turn everything on, but really focus on those areas where the most sensitive data is. Right. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, I don't, I don't know which side we're having that problem on. Um, okay, so you you know you, what, any other evolutions you want to talk about there? I know you were there through 2016. You know any other. Uh, any other big changes that are worth worth sharing about at that, at that side? Well, you changed your name at some point as well. Yeah, we took on private equity in 20, June of 2014. We did a Series A. We raised yeah. close to about 15, 14.6 or $14.8 million. We then did a Series B and we bought a company in the UK called Pentura. Yeah. Pentura was a big Vaughn to a DLP provider and they had a managed service. So we bought them. And then in the spring of 2016, uh, frankly, the private equity guys and the management team, and this happens, we just came to an agreement that we didn't really like each other. Hmm. <laughs> and we, there was just different routes to take. And so uh, myself, Joe Infantino, who is my COO, Hillary Laird, who is our VP of marketing and sales, 
uh, we all left hmm. and uh, we kind of took some time off to be quite honest. Yeah. And it was uh, super refreshing, but um, they recapped the company and they headed in a direction that they wanted to go. And we had some other ideas and thoughts about what we wanted to do. So, I mean, it's interesting as, as a founder, it's gotta be tough to, to leave your own company and, you know, watch somebody else run it and you, you go do a new thing. You know, I, I, did that take some, a while for you to get your arms around that? Yeah, a lot. It took, <laughs> it took a good ski season with yeah, some really good snow, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Um, I have some great mentors hmm. and they all wrap themselves around me and, uh, I need to kind of, you know, I'm very candid about this and I speak about it very openly. I was a shell of what I was when I started the company. Mm. I had become beholden to what a lot of people do, which is the hamster wheel of financing and tech and, you know, uh, selling your soul for an extra dollar or two. And frankly, I needed to fix myself. Mm. And so I took a year off. I sat down with some really important mentors and I had them coach me on kind of what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Um, again, I'm very open about this. I got sober to be quite mm. honest. I haven't had a drink in five years since mm. I left. And you know, the tech industry, if I could make this statement, um, I think this is a good platform to do it. Uh, you don't have to get sucked into that culture. And I think mm. I've seen it ruin a lot of people in tech and uh, there's just a kind of a better, more wholesome way to live. So that's my wholesome commercial for the day. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's amazing. And the fact that you're willing to share that is is very powerful. I, I, I think we don't have enough vulnerability and, and people who are willing to, um, to talk about the hard parts of this industry. It's, you know, there's, there's great parts, but there's some really hard parts too. And, and I think, you know, I know that I've seen lots of data that says that security leaders and I'm sure executives uh, for vendors as well have, have lots of issues where drinking becomes a problem or other stuff as well. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. So I took a year off and uh, I got to know my kids. <laughs> I got to know my dogs and I got to, I got to ski and mountain bike. And I got to, I, I, I call it, I, I stopped treating Colorado like Kansas with a really nice backdrop. <laughs> Actually drove up into those mountains and uh, frankly embraced what I came out here for, which is I love the outdoors. And uh, if you guys read, when we talk about cloud rise, we talk about genuine Colorado. It's one of our taglines. And that's a company that we want to be. We want to be genuine Coloradans. Yeah. So. Well, I, I want to hear, so, so CloudRise, we've talked about on the show, um, you guys were covered in a couple of other uh, outlets and we use those stories to, to introduce you to the group, but, but get, you know, let's start over, you know, really, how did you go from taking your time off and enjoying, you know, I don't call it a sabbatical or whatever you want to call it. How did you go from that to deciding it was time to, to start a new company and, and, you know, what was the vision there? There was an interim step. <laughs> And that was uh, after taking a year off, um, Deloitte came knocking at the door and Deloitte had been interested in acquiring IntelliSecure. And uh, I got to know their corp dev guys. And so uh, they offered me a principalship in their data risk group. And so I said, I don't really know about the big four. I, I did some research. This is a pretty big commitment. I'd be coming in pretty late as a principal why don't I start as a contractor? And they said, okay, well, we'd like to kind of turn this into a talent play. And so Hillary came over as a managing director level. Joe came over at kind of an MD level into the managed services group. And then uh, 
somehow like 20 IntelliSecure people ended up over at Deloitte as well. I don't know how wow. that happened. Wow. but uh, <laughs> And uh, we created what was called Project Rockies with the Corp Dev Group, which was really cool. The idea was to build a managed services group. And because we had extensive non-competes still with our uh, private equity partners, they uh, successfully Chinese firewalled us off from all on-prem DLP. Hmm. And that was phenomenal because what they put us into was, hey, go figure out cloud, Hmm. go figure out data protection in the cloud. And the great thing about Deloitte is you garner a lot of attention. So when you call the CEOs of Zscaler, Netscope, Sky High, they answer the phone and you get meetings. So from 2017 through 2019, uh, we were running this data risk cyber cloud practice with inside Deloitte. And we got to see one, how the big four operated. You know, Deloitte's the largest cyber practice of consultants. It's over a billion dollars. It is uh, phenomenally successful. And so we got to kind of sit in the belly of the beast to see how they operated. And, uh, and we also got to meet, you know, Rajiv Gupta, CEO of Sky High, Sanjay Berry, CEO of Netscope. I'd know Jay Chowdhury from, at Zscaler from being a partner of Cypher Trust way back in the day. And it was just this phenomenal opportunity to quiz the entire market and see where they were going, what they were doing. We got to sit down with Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and see all their plans and mm-hmm. what their ideas were. And so uh, about two years into it, you know, Deloitte kind of said, hey, it's time for you to sign up as full-time employees. And we kind of sat around a dinner table, me, Hillary, and Joe, and we looked at each other and we went, there's a really cool opportunity out mm-hmm. here to build something new. And uh, so we uh, turned it, we just said, Hey, we're, we're, we're done. Thanks for the, you know, trying this out. Yeah. And uh, we left in September of 2019 and we founded CloudRise on October 1st, 2019. Wow. And, uh, and, and really the vision there was, if I, if I summarize what I think I just heard you say is solving the cloud DLP problem um, using cloud native technologies. Does that sound right? Yeah, well, where we really landed was we're really good at data protection problems and we're really good at data protection tech, right? So DLP has always been kind of the big heartbeat in data protection, but we're really, we really know the encryption space. We knew the email security space. We knew the SWIG space or secure web gateway space. And then when we were introduced to the CASB space, and then when you would listen to like, so our biggest partner is Netscope, just be straight up with that. And to listen for me with my networking background with VPNs and building, you know, pops all around the globe with Quest and Level 3 and Gemplex and Vertella, to hear Sanjay talk about how they were going to build a network fabric, which is very different than what any of the other providers do. And then they were going to take a platform and essentially collapse SWIG, CASB, DLP, network, you know, this network private access. It was just phenomenal to hear that vision. And I kind of said, this is the company that you want to go partner with. And then Mm -hmm. we can solve lots of problems with this platform. But our expertise also lends us where if clients have old on-prem DLP, they have old swigs and stuff. What we're really trying to do is architect a data protection governance program for them and then help them with the right technology. And whether that's Netscope or whether that's you know, using MCAS inside O365, whatever have you, the goal, the goal and objective is build a partnership with these clients, be a trusted advisor, 
and be super deep in data protection and tell them straight up, hey, we're not the identity guys. We're not the threat management guys. Right. We're not SIM SOC SOAR guys. We're the data protection. And what we find is that depth of expertise, the total addressable market's very large for us. Hmm. Hmm. So, so are you guys, and I, I guess as you, as you started this, this new initiative, you know, you identified a, a big opportunity, uh, got a good team of folks who you'd worked with. It sounds like the starting team, you know, a couple times in the past now. Um, did you, do you think of it as, you know, what did you take away from previous iterations that you said, I'm going to do it different and better this time? Automation and a platform. Mm. So at IntelliSecure, uh, we could never scale. We would add a customers and we would add more people. And even mm. after I left, the answer to that with the private equity guys and the management team there was open up a, a, a triage center in Guam mm. and get price arbitrage. And the, one of my favorite lines from a guy named Vic Katiel at Deloitte, incredibly successful principal, uh, Love the guy. I'm sitting with him in Munich, Germany. And he looks at me and I go, so Vic, what do you think of this managed service data protection thing? And he goes, are you going to triage incidents? And I was like, well, if we have to. And he goes, this sounds like the race to the bottom of a margin Mm. toilet bowl. Mm. (laughs) And I sat there and went, when you looked at the IntelliSecure model is we would triage all these incidents, but especially with DLP platforms, it's really hard to do that because it's so close to the business. And so to have a third party reach back into the medical records department at a large healthcare organization and go, hey, you shouldn't be sending this out. A lot of times we didn't have the context of the business. And so it's very difficult. So at CloudRise, what we ultimately saw were three fundamental things that we think we can change. Hmm. One is um, the delivery of services. So the delivery, what we found in the big four, and we analyzed this quite a bit was predominantly they deliver their services with a fleet of people that are sent on site that's changed during the pandemic, but they'll try to shift back to that because they like to walk the halls. It's a smart strategy. Hmm. Uh, Two is they operate an email and they deliver work product as PowerPoints or spreadsheets. And when they do configuration work on platforms, there's no shared knowledge base. So, you could have three consultants working on this exact same problem for like a Netscope platform. And those three consultants will never share the proper answer to the problem. Hmm. And we said, what happens if you built a platform that essentially could monitor all of the communication channels that you're, you're integrated with between your delivery and your customers. And it would sit there over all those channels and go, I see that Jake, Ryan, and Anna are working on configuring this uh, secure web gateway on Netscope. I'm going to prompt them to the actual solution. What's even better than that is if they have an updated solution, they upload it, and then the system automatically archives it, catalogs, and updates it. And uh, so you immediately can do more higher powered, more accurate consulting and services work with, you know, our thesis is what takes the big four, 10 consultants to get done. We can probably do it with five or six with this platform enabling us. And uh, it's really exciting. So that's the, the second piece is just getting delivery better. 
And then the third is essentially the communication engagement with customers from a services perspective and being able to write playbooks now. So what happens is we do so much work that looks very similar. If you think about it, these platforms, what do you do? You activate them, you tune them, you have specific policies, policy logic. We library all that. And so now when somebody comes and goes, hey, can you activate Netscope? Well, we have a playbook. And we, uh, if you look at one of our advisors, a guy named Burn Constant, he built a SOAR platform that FireEye purchased. Hmm. And so Burn's been teaching us all about writing playbooks and automating t- simple tasks. So if you really look at us, Rob, we are the next generation of a service provider. Hmm. Our whole goal, though, is to, there's all this SaaS technology out there, but all of these service companies are still just throwing bodies at the problem. And we're going to shift that paradigm to where we are leveraging a platform that enables us to deliver repeatable, highly effective services. Well, now you got me, now you got me thinking like what you're creating, the platform you're using to better deliver services seems more valuable than the service you're creating to the market, right? Like how many service providers out there would, would spend a boatload of money to make their their delivery folks more efficient versus, you know, what people are willing to pay to have their, their cloud security t- tools deployed. Am I, am I crazy? <laughs> no, you're not crazy. You're spot on the money. We just want to keep that a secret a little bit longer. We've been, we've been shaking and jiving with our website. Yeah. It's funny because we're like, okay, well, let's just pitch ourselves with this automation platform, orchestration platform. And honestly, that's kind of how we started out. We were like, this is the route you're going to go. That's what I love about startups is the journey. You have to have a team that's willing to not be, um, I get, I heard this term, you know, this is my first time building software as a CEO. Yeah. And uh, our, there's a gentleman, uh, you know, it's burned and burn goes, you want to build your platform in a decoupled fashion. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to kind of move things around. And that's the way we operate our business. We're just mm-hmm. super nimble and decoupled. And what we finally came into was we're really good at doing services. And there's a very, there's a huge problem on service delivery. Let's have our platform solve for that. And then if we do some cool stuff with activations and playbooks around Netscope or Zscaler or whoever, uh, bonus. Yeah. That's really cool. And, and, and so basically you've, you've created a very flexible platform that will allow scale from humans solving tough problems. You're using that platform day one to solve a problem that you are very familiar with from, you know, from other places you've solved similar or identical problems. Um, and, and then we'll see what, what avenues open up after that. Is that, is that kind of where your head is? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's super exciting. Um, you know, the, the smarter you can make the platform understand where the right solutions are. And the other cool thing is we've moved all of our delivery to Slack. Now, mm-hmm. if a customer comes to us and goes, well, I want to communicate in Teams, we can do that. And if they want to go old school and communicate in email, well, we can do that if you really twist our arms. <laughs> but what's really cool is when we, when most consulting firms onboard a customer, it's a kickoff call. It's a PowerPoint presentation. This is what we're going to do. This is going to be our racy matrix, blah, 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 blah. When we provision a customer, we have predefined Slack channels with this will be the knowledge base. This will be the configuration store. This will be the, co- the people you communicate with. And what's also cool about that is 
from a managed service perspective, it was funny. We, uh, we, were, we were working with um, Netscope and they're like, can we come and see your delivery center? And I said, well, you can see it, but there's not one because we're, fo- we're totally remote. And what's cool about this is we can load balance teams and the technology that we're using um, I'll just be candid, you know, anyone can try to put this together. It's all about the execution. Yeah, but there's a company that was called Help and Atlassian Bottom. Uh, and they, the Greater Colorado Venture Fund was our lead investor. Great guys. And we'll get into the Grand Junction story, I'm sure. Everybody yeah, is, thinks I'm nuts for moving Grand Junction. But when you hear why, there's a secret to this. Um, but it's, uh, it's super cool because they introduced us to Fletcher, who built Help. And help sits on top of these channels and it can automatically create tickets. And so we're not beholden. And I I just get so excited about this platform because the way we've built our platform is we're not beholden to any manufacturer. Hmm. We can push stuff in with APIs, but we're not like in the submit a ticket through email, have the guy work the ticket. We can create tickets on the fly. And then those tickets can look at the knowledge base first, see if a little bot wants to answer things. It's just, it's, it's just so cool. Wow. Sorry. I mean, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to hear your passion for this and, and really the way you're looking at solving a, you know, a very common problem. I would say that most of us didn't even know was a problem. Um, you're, you're solving it in a new way with technology. That's, that's fantastic. Making it more efficient, making it easier to interact. The onboarding process is faster. Um, pretty cool. Yeah, our goal is this. I, I, we sat in the belly of the beast, and don't get me wrong. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Deloitte. The team there was phenomenal. They treated us absolutely exceptional. Um, nothing but kudos to them. It, it, they're an aircraft carrier, and it's really hard to adjust that delivery model, but people don't want to see a plane full of consultants show up anymore, and especially after the pandemic. That's just not going to happen. The other thing they want to see is I think they want more transparency on how the sausage is made with their service providers, right? Rather than us sitting back in some dark sealed off room where we get a ticket and then we log in and do some work. You can't see what we're doing and then magic it's done. And then you're like, how'd you do that? Well, we'd like to show them at least somewhat how the sausage is made. I think that is true partnership. And ultimately I think a CISO's, um, decision-making will come to this. Do I hire a recognized name for three times the price mm. who's doing it old school? So we'll knock them out competition wise. And then they're going to sit there and go, should I have my own staff do this or should I partner because these guys are so good in this space? And then I repurpose my staff for frankly, security initiatives that have to have FTEs a partner can never accomplish. And you know, as a CISO, there are just certain things in a security program that you cannot outsource. Right, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes sometimes it's, it's looking at those DLP uh, issues, right? To know what's, what's okay for your business. That's why we don't triage. Right, absolutely, for sure. It's the beauty of the new businesses, uh, we do platform management, policy configuration, policy analysis, and reporting and analytics. Yeah. We did all of that in Telesecure. The biggest piece that we don't do here out of that, what we used to call the QMS quality management system, is we don't do incident triage or event management. Mm-hmm. What we do is we'll partner with your SOC, we'll partner with EDR providers, 
managed SIM providers, whatever they want, and we will give them the cleanest stream of event data. And we're solving that noise problem because we get so accurate in the policy config. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. And, and you guys are, uh, where are you in terms of like company progress? How, how's it going with the, the building of the company itself? So we just closed our, so everybody has been asking because we did press releases and we didn't tell them how much we raised. I'll tell you how much we raised. All right. So we raised three and a half million dollars in a seed fund. It was oversubscribed. Nice. Uh, we have some phenomenal, it's all Colorado money. It's so cool. Love that. I love that. Oh, it's, it's just the best. Um, and they're phenomenal investors. I've got some, uh, some angels that uh, have some Acuvant roots and they, I just love those guys. They've been like, uh, you know, Dan Burns and I, we founded, I founded BEW and he founded Acuvant same year, hmm. obviously different outcomes, <laughs> but Dan, Dan is, uh, we fly fish together. Uh, he's just a great mentor and hmm. he's been a really special person during this because I was really down on myself after the whole IntelliSecure thing. And he kind of sat down and said, you know, as long as you're punching, you're still in the fight. And I know I've said that earlier in the, in the yeah. podcast, but it's true. Um, so we raised three and a half million. Uh, we're profitable already. That's what I love about tech services because the services business, um, we got profitable in March. So we started October, 2019. We have 20 FTEs in the U.S. Uh, you're about to see 15 to 20 job recs go out oh. the door. Um, you're going to uh, double in, in the next quarter or two. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. We are going to double wow. get, get ready. <laughs> and and our, I heard you say everything's remote, but the company is in Grand Junction in Mesa, Mesa County. What does that mean? Like, you know, that that's where you have an office or, or, or employees don't have to be there. I'm guessing if it's all remote or do they? No, they don't. So what we did is, um, I'll be honest, the, the Denver market is turning into the Bay Area when it very comes simple. to tech and stuff. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't like some of the money it's coming. I'm just going to be very candid. I think, uh, you know, all this talk about unicorns and stuff like that, the VC hamster wheel, we're, we're talking around the wrong stuff. We need to be mm-hmm. talking about companies that are building value, that are sustainable. Um, that's me on my my uh, soapbox. <laughs> so as a old school Coloradan, um, we were having problems raising uh, institutional money. I'll be bluntly honest. Hmm. We're, we're a tech services company. We're not one of these sexy SaaS companies that right. burns through hundreds of millions of dollars and maybe it becomes profitable one day. So uh, the Greater Colorado Venture Fund came to us and uh, they were like, hey, you know, we're trying to develop rural communities in the Western Slope. And they had heard that I was interested in moving to Grand Junction. So, you know, past 50, I don't ski as much. I'm more of a cyclist. You know, I'm becoming the old man and need to head to the desert. And so uh, I said, yeah. And they said, would you consider headquartering CloudRise in Grand Junction? I said, absolutely. So uh, we moved the headquarters over there. So there's me. We're hiring our first Western Slope employees this week. So one from Eagle County, a couple actually in Grand Junction. And uh, the Greater Colorado Venture Fund then led our institutional round. And as soon as they came in, then all of the others followed in. Hmm. And uh, But the biggest, coolest thing for me over there is Colorado Mesa University. So Little Mesa State, as many of you guys may know it, has grown up to 11,000 students. Hmm. Go and take a drive through Colorado Mesa University, and it looks like the DU campus. All beautiful, brand new buildings. 
And so um, I just took on the role of chairman of the Industry Advisory Council for Computer Science and Cyber at the university. Hmm. Uh, we're grooming interns. We have our first intern who's phenomenal and they're joining our development team, our consultants, and uh, we're making an impact in the community. We're building a little cool tech hub over there. We just finished uh, Western Slope Startup Week and uh, the Telluride Incubators over there. And uh, there's a really cool Four Points Funding and uh, uh, what's their name? Uh, God, I might forget about it, but it's an angel group out of Steamboat. It's just a really great group of people that are down to earth. And, you know, if you're in Denver, you're driving 50 minutes just to get to Green Mountain to compete with 400 people on your mountain bike. I drive, I, I, I ride my bike five minutes to launch loops. <laughs> So, so you, you're, you're selling, you're definitely selling the area for a number of your listeners right now. Uh, and are there other security employers over there? Are you guys the only one right now? Or is this a, a starting, you're part of another, a bigger movement? We are, so there's couples, uh, GIS, uh, SaaS company startups. So there's CART and ProStar, great guys, Aaron Young. Um, God, ProStar just got listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Wow. Um, Pax 8 is moving into town. So if you guys are familiar with Pax 8, you know, they've grown from 30 people to 800 people. And they have a really cool rural business model where they've been very successful in finding towns around Florence and that area. Mm-hmm. And now they're coming into Grand Junction. So are they are they moving their headquarters there or they're just they're opening up an office there? Just open up an office. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then uh, you know, my goal is this to scale up CloudRise there and and be uh, a catalyst for bringing more tech into the Grand Valley. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I mean, we we both love Colorado, and I and I agree. Like Denver has become challenging, right? I mean, it's so expensive to live here, and, and the, the talent is very expensive. Even though it's you get paid so much, it's still hard to live here, right? Because the prices have just been going up. And like you said, uh, it does feel like we got a little bit of that Bay, that Bay Area bleed over, uh, which is not always that much fun for for buying homes. Um, so really cool that you guys are, are, are driving into that. Uh, the Speaking of Mesa State and, and the program there, um, have, have you had a chance to hire any of those folks yet? No, I mean, we just got over there uh, really last spring. And so setting up shop, but I, I, I'm just going to name it. We have this kid, Jacob Hansen, who is just the most amazing intern. Uh, awesome. he, he has just taken on... He builds architecture documents, he codes, he, uh, and so he's, um, we're having a big mixer, it's called Go at CMU, and it's a kickoff where it's really cool, companies can come in, we can give them a project like, hey, build a reporting cube in Tableau or something, and then the kids take it for the semester, and then they have a showcase at the end of the semester, so we're sponsoring that, and uh, our goal is that we'll probably have four to six more interns join this year, and uh, yeah, it's just super excited. So your, your intern program sounds amazing. And the fact that you're tied in with that school, I mean, that's got to drive folks who, who actually get an opportunity to work with a, a security company. That's, that's awesome. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I've heard a lot of vision here and it sounds like there's a lot of things coming. What do you see, you know, growth over the next quarter? Are, are there new, um, are there new tech, technologies you're going to, you're going to be uh, looking to roll out to make yourselves even more efficient? Are you looking to get new partners? What, what comes next? So phenomenal relationship with Netscope. Netscope, you know, they've raised now, what, $1.1 billion. They're the darlings of Sand Hill Road. Uh, I believe in Sanjay's vision. Uh, They just brought Dave Peranich over from Palo. Uh, Dave and I get along really well. And uh, our goal is this. 
we did this with Vontu. We were Vontu's ultimate provider. And what I learned in Telesecure is I just should have stuck with Vontu. Hmm. When I diluted it and made people have to learn other platforms as a small company, it's very dangerous. So I think what we're doing is we're just getting in deeper with Netscope and they're expanding internationally. So we've signed a a joint venture agreement with a company called Cyber Orchard in the UK. Um, It provides us 10 resources over there and uh, Netscope feeds us a lot of their activation work. And so we're starting to do that globally. And I think we'll probably end up ultimately acquiring Cyber Orchard here in the next year or two. And then, uh, you know, Rob, I'd love to know, love to tell you where this journey is going to take. I I just, this is so much more fun than the first one. And it's because I'm getting to work with some of my best friends on the planet. Mm. Uh, You are absolutely right. We've got people that were at BW and Telesecure that went to Deloitte with us and now they're here. And it's just this family and we just operate as this very effective Navy SEAL team. Same time, we all kind of grew up a bit. And so it's not that bro culture. It's more of let's get it done and have a good time. I mean, you, you seem, you seem really mellow and and, and relaxed versus, you know, I think I, I would imagine having some success and having seen it before gives you a level of confidence and um, maybe, uh, maybe financially you don't have to worry quite as much as you did when you were starting this whole thing off. I don't know, but, but it sure seems like you're in a really good place uh, from that perspective as well. I got a kid at the Vail Ski Academy and a daughter in college. I'll, I won't retire until I'm 400 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, whatever the reason is you, you feel, you seem like you're in a, in a good place mentally. And like, this is a, this seems like a, a great opportunity for you to go do some fun stuff. Yeah. And I'm super excited that you reached out and we got to chat again. It's been a while and yeah. uh, glad we could, you know, start telling our story. Um, yeah. We don't want to be boisterous, but uh, you know, I do want to be a big advocate for Mesa County as well. And uh, I just, the state of Colorado is something near and dear to my heart. It has always kind of saved me. I'll leave it at that. And I think um, there's a generation of us that have the ability to, not get sucked into the coast when it comes to tech. We don't have to lose our identity. There's plenty of great entrepreneurs. There's phenomenal local money here. Let's not, let's not dilute what an amazing place this is. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and, and I also can't wait to, to really see you guys prove out the model of building a company in, in Mesa County out in, in Grand Junction where, you know, I haven't seen it yet. So, you know, you proving out that it works is, is going to open that pathway to a lot more companies. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, Rob, this has been fantastic. We will uh, look forward to, to tracking you guys and maybe you know, a year from now when you're, when you've doubled again, and maybe, maybe you've doubled twice since, since the last conversation, we can get you on and you can tell us, you know, uh, how you're, how you're using this technology to, to scale even better. It's either that, or I'll be using this technology at the corner of one of the off ramps to beg for money. Well, I mean, as long as you're doing it at scale, you'll probably you'll probably do really well. <laughs> All right, Rob. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to connecting with you again soon. And uh, for everyone else signing off, this is Colorado Equals Security. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Rob. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado Equals Security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com.
Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.